0: Book Sixteen, Patroclus Fights and Dies So they fought to the death around that benched, beaked ship, as Patroclus reached Achilles, his great commander, and wept warm tears like a dark spring running down some desolate rock face, its shaded currents flowing. And the brilliant runner Achilles saw him coming, filled with pity, and spoke out winging words, Why in tears, Patroclus? Like a girl, a baby, running after her mother, begging to be picked up, and she tugs at her skirts, holding her back as she tries to hurry off, all tears, fawning up at her till she takes her in her arms. That's how you look, Patroclus, streaming live tears. But why? Some news for the Myrmidons. News for me. Some message from Thyre only you have heard. They tell me Menecius, Actor's son, is still alive, and Peleus, Iacus's son, lives on among his Myrmidons, if both our fathers had died, we'd have some cause for grief. Or weeping over the archives, are you? Seeing them die against the hollow ships repaid for their offences. Out with it now. Don't harbour it deep inside you. We must share it all. With a wrenching groan, you answered your friend, Patroclus, oh my rider. Achilles, son of Peleus, greatest of the Achaeans, spare me your anger, please. Such heavy blows have overwhelmed the troops. Our former champions, are all laid up in the ships, are all hit by arrows or run through by spears. There's powerful Diomedes, brought down by an archer, Odysseus wounded, and Agamemnon too, the famous spearman, and Eurypylus took an arrow shot to the thigh. Healers are working over them using all their drugs, trying to bind their wounds. But you are intractable, Achilles. Pray God such anger never seizes me. Such a rage, you nurse. Cursed in your own courage. What good will a man, even one in the next generation, get from you unless you defend the Argives from disaster? You heart of iron. He was not your father, the horseman Peleus. Thetis was not your mother. Never. The salt-gray sunless ocean gave you birth, and the towering blank rocks, your tempest so relentless. But still, if deep down some prophecy makes you balk, some doom your noble mother revealed to you from Zeus... Well and good, at least send me into battle quickly. Let the whole Myrmidon army follow my command. I might bring some light of victory to our Argives, and give me your own fine armor to buckle on my back, so the Trojans might take me for you, Achilles. Yes, hold off from attack, and Achilles' fighting sons get second wind, exhausted as they are. Breathing room in war is all too brief. Wear fresh, unbroken. The enemy's battle-weary. We could roll those broken Trojans back to Troy, clear of the ships and shelters. So he pleaded, lost in his own great innocence, condemned to beg for his own death and brutal doom. And moved now to his depths, the famous runner cried, No, no, my prince, Patroclus, what are you saying? Prophecies? None that touch me, none that I know of. No doom my noble mother revealed to me from Zeus. Just this terrible pain that wounds me to the quick. When one man attempts to plunder another man, his equal, to commandeer a prize, exulting in his own power, that's the pain that wounds me. Suffering such humiliation. That girl? The sons of Achaea picked her as my prize, and I'd sacked a walled city, won her with my spear, but right from my grasp he tears her. Mighty Agamemnon, that son of Atreus. Treating me like some vagabond, some outcast stripped of all my rights. Enough. Let bygones be bygones now. Done is done. How on earth can a man rage on forever? Still, by God, I said I would not relax my anger. Not till the cries and carnage reached my own ship's. So you, you strap my splendid armour on your back. You lead our battle-hungry Myrmidons into action. If now, in fact, the black cloud of the Trojans blasts down on the ships with full gale force, our backs to the breaking surf but clinging still to a cramped strip of land, the Argives lost. The whole city of Troy comes trampling down on us, daring, wild. Why? They cannot see the brow of my helmet flash before their eyes. Oh, they'd soon run for their lives and choke on the torrent beds of the fields with all their corpses if only the mighty Agamemnon had met me with respect. Now as it is, they're fighting round our camp. No spear rages now in the hand of Diomedes, keen to save the Argives from disaster. I can't even hear the battle cry of Agamemnon break from his hated skull. But it's man-killing Hector calling his Trojans on. His war cries crashing round me, savage cries of his Trojans sweeping the whole plain, victors bringing the Argive armies to their knees. Even so, Patroclus, fight disaster off the ships. Fling yourself with the Trojans' full force before they gut our hulls with leaping fire and tear away the beloved day of our return. But take this command to heart. Obey it to the end. So you can win great honour great glory for me in the eyes of all the Argive ranks. And they, they'll send her back, my lithe and lovely girl, and top it off with troves of glittering gifts. Once you have whipped the enemy from the fleet, you must come back, Patroclus. Even if Zeus, the thundering lord of Hera, lets you seize your glory, you must not burn for war against these Trojans, madmen lusting for battle. Not without me. You'll only make my glory that much less. You must not... Lost in the flush and fire of triumph, slaughtering Trojans outright, drive your troops to Troy. What if one of the gods who never die comes down from Olympus Heights to intervene in battle? The deadly archer loves his Trojans dearly. No, you must turn back, soon as you bring the light of victory to the ships. Let the rest of them cut themselves to pieces on the plain. Oh, to God, Father Zeus, Athena and Lord Apollo... Not one of these Trojans could flee his death, not one, no Argive either, but we could stride from the slaughter, so we could bring Troy's hallowed crown of towers toppling down around us, you and I alone. And so the comrades roused each other now, but Ajax could hold his post on the decks no longer. He was overwhelmed by the later salvos, driven back by the will of Zeus and the fearless Trojan spearmen hurling blows non-stop, a terrific din at his temples, his shining helmet clashing under the repeated blows, relentless blows beating his forged cheek-irons. And the joint of his left shoulder ached with labour, forever bracing his huge, burnished shield rock-steady. But they could not wrench it loose from round his body for all their pelting weapons, Again and again he fought for breath, gasping, bathed in sweat, rivering down his body, his limbs soaked and sleek. Where could he find some breathing room in battle? Wherever he looked, pains heaped on pains. Sing to me now, you muses, you who hold Olympus's vaulting halls, how fire was first pitched on Akiya's ships. Hector lunged at Ajax toe-to-toe, hacked his ashwood pike with a heavy sword, and striking the socket just behind the point, he slashed the head clean off, leaving the shaft, the lopped stump dangling Ajax's fist, useless, bronze head bounding away, clanging along the ground. And deep in his heart, brave Ajax knew and shuddered, here was the work of the gods, thundering Zeus on high, cutting him off in battle, dashing all his plans, Zeus, Zeus, determined to grant the Trojans triumph now. So Ajax drew back, out of range. And then, they flung their tireless fire at the fast, trim ship. She was up in flames at once, engulfed in quenchless fire. In a flash, the blaze went swirling round the stern and Achilles slapped his thighs and urged Patroclus, to arms Patroclus, prince and master horseman, I can see the blaze go roaring up the ships. They must not destroy them. No escape route then. Quick. Strap on my gear. I'll rouse the troops. That was all, and Patroclus armed himself in Achilles' gleaming bronze. First, he wrapped his legs with the well-made greaves, fastened behind the heels with silver ankle clasps. Next, he strapped the breastplate round his chest, blazoned with stars, swift Achilles' own. Then over his shoulder, Patroclus slung the sword, the fine bronze blade with its silver-studded hilt, and then the shield-strap and the sturdy, massive shield. And over his powerful head he set the well-forged helmet, the horsehair crest atop it, tossing, bristling terror. And he took two rugged spears that fit his grip. And Achilles' only weapon Patroclus did not take was the great man's spear, weighted, heavy, tough. No other Achaean fighter could heft the shaft. Only Achilles had the skill to wield it well. Pelian ash it was, a gift to his father Peleus, presented by Chiron once hewn on Pelion's crest, to be the death of heroes. Now the war team, Patroclus ordered Automedon to yoke them quickly, a man honoured next to Achilles, breaker of men, always the firmest in battle, nerved to wait the call. So at his command, Automedon yoked the horses, the rapid stallions roan beauty and dapple, the team that raced the gales, Magnificent team, the storm-wind Philly lightfoot, fold for the west wind, grazing the lush green grass along the ocean's tides. And into the traces he ran the purebred bold dancer. Achilles seized him once when he stormed Etian City, a mortal war horse pacing immortal horses now. Prince Achilles, ranging his ranks of myrmidons, arrayed them along the shelters, all in armour, hungry as wolves that rend and bolt raw flesh hearts filled with battle frenzy that never dies. Off on cliffs, ripping apart some big antlered stag, they gorge on the kill till all their jaws drip red with blood. Then down in a pack, they lope to a pooling dark spring, their lean, sharp tongues lapping the water's surface, belching bloody meat. But the fury, never shaken, builds in their chests though their glutted bellies burst. So wild the Myrmidon captains, Myrmidon field commanders, swarming round Achilles' dauntless friend in arms. And there in the midst Achilles stood like a god of war, urging his charioteers and fighters bracing shields. There were fifty fast black ships that bore his troops when Achilles, dear to Zeus, sailed east for Troy. Fifty fighters aboard each manning the Orlocks, five captains he named, entrusted with command but he himself in his martial power ruled them all. The first battalion was led by Menestheus, bright in bronze, son of the Spercius River, swelled by the reins of Zeus, and born by the lovely Polydora, Peleus' daughter, when a girl and the god of a tireless river bedded down. But they called him the son of Boris, Perrieres' son, who showered the girl with countless bridal gifts, his wedded bride in the sight of all the world. The next battalion was led by fighting Eudorus, born out of wedlock too. Phyllis's daughter, Polymela, the gorgeous dancer, bore the man when irresistible Hermes, Hermes the giant killer, lusted for her once. She ravished the gods' bright eyes, swaying among the dancers, singing goddess Artemis with arrow of gold and cry that her lose the hunt. And straightway up to her chamber Hermes climbed, the healer, in secret, lay in her arms in love, and the woman bore the god a radiant son, Eudorus, lightning on his feet and a crack man of war. But as soon as the Lady of labor's birthing pangs brought him to light and he saw the blaze of day, Acta's majestic son, the powerful Achecles, led her home to his house with troves of bridal gifts, while old King Phylus reared the boy with kindness, tending, embracing the young Eudorus like a son. The third battalion was led by brave Pisander, Mimulus' son, who outfought them all with spears, all Myrmidons, after Achilles' friend Patroclus. The fourth was led by old horseman Phoenix. Alcimedon led the fifth, Laerces' gallant son. But, soon as Achilles mustered all battalions, positioned in battle order led by captains, he imposed this stern command on all his troops. Myrmidons. Not one of you dare forget those threats you hurled from the fast trim ships against the Trojans, all while I raged, and I was the one you blamed down to the last fighter. Brutal son of Peleus, your mother nursed you on Gaul, merciless iron man, confining your own men to the ships against their will. So home we will go in those ships and cut the seas again, since now such deadly anger strikes our captain. Denouncing me. My comrades clustered together, always crumbling. Well, here's a tremendous work of battle. Look, blazing before your eyes. Just the sort you longed for all those days. So each man, tense with courage, fight the Trojans down. That was the cry that fired each soldier's heart. Hearing the king's command, the ranks pulled closer, tight as a mason packs a good stone wall, blocks on granite blocks for a storied house that fights the rippling winds. Crammed so close, the crested helmets, the war shields bulging, jutting, buckler to buckler, helm to helm, man to man massed, and the horsehair crests on glittering helmet horns brushed as they tossed their heads, the battalion's bulk so dense. And out before them all, two men took battle stations. Patroclus, an automaton, seized with a single fury to fight in the comrade's vanguard far in front. But Achilles strode back to his shelter now, and opened the lid of the princely inlaid sea-chest that glistening-footed Thetis stowed in his ship to carry, filled to the brim with war-shirts, windproof cloaks and heavy, fleecy rugs. And there it rested, his handsome, well-wrought cup. No other man would drink the shiny wine from its glowing depths, nor would Achilles pour the wine to any other god, none but Father Zeus. Lifting it from the chest, he purified it with sulphur crystals first, then rinsed it out with water running clear, washed his hands and filled it bright with wine. And then, taking a stand before his lodge, he prayed, pouring the wine to earth and scanning the high skies. And the god who loves the lightning never missed a word. King Zeus, Pelasgian Zeus, lord of Dodona's holy shrine, dwelling far away, brooding over Dodona's bitter winters, your prophets dwelling round you, Zeus, the cellar sleeping along the ground with unwashed feet. If you honoured me last time and heard my prayer and rained destruction down on all Achaea's ranks, now once more I beg you, bring my prayer to pass. I myself hold out on shore with the beached ships here, but I send my comrade forth to war with troops of Myrmidons. Launch glory along with him, high lord of thunder Zeus. Fill his heart with courage, so even Hector learns if Patroclus has the skill to fight his wars alone, my friend in arms. Or his hands can rage unvanquished, only when I go wading in and face the grind of battle. But once he repels the warring onslaught from the ships, let him come back to me and our fast fleet unharmed. With all my arm around him, all our comrades fighting round my friend. So Achilles prayed and Zeus, in all his wisdom, heard those prayers. One prayer the father granted, and the other he denied. Patroclus would drive the onslaught off the ships, that much Zeus granted, true, but denied him safe and sound return from battle. Once Achilles had poured the wine and prayed to Zeus, he returned to his shelter, stowed the cup in the chest, then took his stand outside, his spirit yearning still, watch the Achaeans and Trojans struggle to the death. Myrmidon's battalions ranged in armour with great-hearted Patroclus. Moving out now, the fury bursting inside them, suddenly charged the Trojans. They swarmed forth like wasps from a roadside nest, when boys have made it their sport to set them seething. Day after day tormenting them round their wayside hive. Idiot boys! They make a menace for every man in sight. Any innocent traveller passing them on the road can stir them up accidentally. Up in arms in a flash, all in a swarm come pouring, each one raging down to fight for home and children. Such frenzy seized their hearts, Myrmidons pouring out of the ships, ceaseless shouts rising. And over them all, Patroclus' war cries rousing comrades. Myrmidons, brothers in arms of Peleus' son Achilles, fight like men, my friends, call up your battle fury. Now we must win high honour for Peleus's royal son, far the greatest fighter among the Argive fleet, and we who fight beside him, the bravest troops. So even mighty Atreides can see how mad he was to disgrace Achilles, the best of the Achaeans. He closed with a shout and fired each fighter's heart, and down in a mass they launched against the Trojans, ships around them echoing back their shattering cries. The Trojans, soon as they saw Manetius's gallant son himself and his royal driver flare in brazen gear, all their courage quaked, their columns buckled, thinking swift Achilles had tossed to the winds his hard rage that held him back by the ships, and chosen friendship towards the Argives now. Each soldier glancing left and right, how could he run from such sudden, plunging death? Patroclus was the first to hurl his glinting spear, right at the centre mass the fighters milling round the stern of Proteslius's blazing ship and hit Pyrechme's firebrand who led the Paeonians, the master riders from Amidon, from Axius's broad currents. Patroclus slashed his right shoulder and down he went, his back slamming the dust with a jolting groan as companions panicked around him. Brave Paeonians, Patroclus whipped the terror in all their hearts when he killed the chief who topped them all in battle. He rode them off the ship's, he quenched the leaping fire, leaving Proteslius's hulk half-burnt but upright still, and the Trojans scattered back with high, shrill cries. The Argives poured against them, back by the hollow hulls, the din of battle incessant. An Argive breakthrough. Bright as the moment Zeus, the Lord of Lightning, moves from a craggy mountain ridge, a storm cloud massing dense, and all the lookout peaks stand out, and the jutting cliffs, and the steep ravines, and down from the high heavens bursts the boundless bright air. So now the Argives drove the ravening fire clear from the warships, winning a little breathing room. Not much. No real halt in the buck and rush of battle. For despite the surge of the Argives primed for war, the Trojans were still not wheeling round in a headlong rout away from the black holes. Forced back from them true, they braced for battle still and made a stand. Deadlock. There a man killed in the pell-mell clash of battle, captains going against captains. Brave Patroclus first. Just as Ariochus swerved in a sudden flight, he gored him in the hip with a slashing spear, and the bronze lancehead hammered through his flesh, the shaft splintering bone as he pitched face first, pounding the ground. And veteran Menelaus wounded Thoas, raking his chest where his shield-room left it bare and loosed his limbs. And Amphiclus went for Megis, but Megis saw him coming and got in first by far, spearing him up the thigh where it joins the body, the spot where a man's muscle bunches thickest, the tough sinew shredded round the weapon's point as dark swirled down his eyes. Nestor's sons on attack! Antilochus struck Atimnius hard with a wedded spear, the bronze ripping into his flank and clean through. He crashed at his feet. But Maris charged Antilochus, sweeping in with his lance, enraged for his brother, planted himself before his corpse, but Thrasymedes, quick as a god, beat him to it. He stabbed before Marus stabbed, no miss, right in the shoulder. The Argive spear point cracked through the bony socket, shearing away tendons, wrenched the whole arm out, and down he thundered darkness blanketing his eyes. So these two brothers, laid low by the two brothers, dropped to the world of night, Sarpedon's stalwart cohorts, spearmen sons of Amisidares, he who bred the Chimera, the grim monster that sent so many men to death. There, Quickawellian Ajax rushed Cleobulus, took him alive, stumbling in the rout, but took his life at once snapped his neck with a sword that hewed his neck bone up to the hilt. So the whole blade ran hot with blood, and red death came flooding down his eyes, and the strong force of fate. And now, in a breakneck charge, Penelius closed with Lycon. They'd missed each other with spears, two wasted casts, now both clashed with swords. Lycon, flailing, chopped the horn of Penelius's horsehair-crested helmet, but round the socket the sword blade smashed to bits, just as Penelius hacked his neck below the ear, and the blade sank clean through. Nothing held but a flap of skin. The head swung loose to the side as Lycon slumped to the ground. There at a dead run, Moriones ran down Achaemus, Achaemus mounting behind his team, and gouged his right shoulder. He pitched from the car, and the mist swirled down his eyes. Idomeneus skewered Aramis straight through the mouth the merciless brazen spearpoint raking through up under the brain to split his glistening skull. Teeth shattered out, both eyes brimmed to the lids with a gush of blood and both nostrils spurting, mouth gaping, blowing, convulsive sprays of blood and death's dark cloud closed down around the corpse. So, in a rush, each Argive captain killed his man as ravenous wolves come swooping down on lambs or kids to snatch them away from right amidst the flock, all lost when a careless shepherd leaves them straggling down the hills, and quickly spotting a chance the wolf pack picks them off. No heart for the fight. So the Achaeans mauled the Trojans, shrieking flight the one thing on their minds. They forgot their fighting fury. Great Ajax now, forever aiming at Hector, trying to strike at his helmet flashing bronze. But Hector was far too seasoned, combat tested, broad shoulders hunching under his bull's hide shield, his eyes peeled for a whistling shaft or thundering spear. Hector knew full well the tide of battle had turned, but still stood firm, defending diehard comrades. Wild as a storm cloud moving off Olympus into heaven out of a clear blue sky when Zeus brings cyclones on, so wild was the rout, the cries that came from the ships as back through the trench they ran, formations wrecked. And Hector? Hector's speeding horses swept him away, armour and all, leaving his men to face their fate. Trojans trapped but struggling on in the deep trench. Hundreds of plunging war teams dragging chariots down, snapping the yoke poles, ditched their master's cars and Patroclus charged them hard afire for the kill shouting his Argives forward, Slaughter Trojans! Cries of terror breaking as Trojans troped all the roads, their lines ripped up to pieces, up from under the hooves of dust of storm swirling into the clouds as rearing horses broke into stride again and galloped back to Troy, leaving ships and shelters in their wake. Patroclus, wherever he saw the biggest masses dashing before him, there he steered ploughing ahead with savage cries. And fighters tumbled out of their chariots headfirst, crushed under their axles. War cars crashing over, yes, but straight across the trench went his own careering team at a superhuman bound. Magnificent racing stallions, gifts of the gods to Peleus. Shining immortal gifts straining breakneck on as Patroclus's high courage urged him against Prince Hector, keen for the kill. But Hector's fearing horses swept him clear. And all in an onrush, dark as autumn days, When the whole earth flattens black beneath a gale, When Zeus flings down his pelting, punishing reins, Up in arms, furious, stormy against those men Who brawl in the courts and render crooked judgments, Men who throw all rights to the winds With no regard for the vengeful eyes of the gods. So all their rivers crest into flood spate, Ravines overflowing, cut the hilltops off into lonely islands, roaring down the flood tide, rolling down the storm-torn sea. Headlong down from the foothills washes away the good-ploughed work of men. Rampaging so, the gasping Trojan war teams hurtled on. Patroclus. Soon as the fighter cut their front battalions off, he swerved back to pin them against the warships, never letting the Trojans stream back up to Troy as they struggled madly on. But there, midfield, between the ships, the river, and the beetling wall, Patroclus kept on sweeping in, hacking them down, making them pay the price for the Argives slaughtered. There, Pronoas, first to fall, a glint of spear and Patroclus tore his chest left bare by the shield rim, loosed his knees, and the man went crashing down. And next he went for Thester, the son of Enops, cowering, crouched in his fine, polished chariot, crazed with fear, and the reins flew from his grip. Patroclus, rising beside him, stabbed his right jawbone, ramming the spearhead square between his teeth so hard he hooked him by that spearhead over the chariot rail, hoisted, dragged the Trojan out as an angler perched on a jutting rock leg drags some fish out of the sea, some noble catch with line and glittering bronze hook. So with the spear, Patroclus gaffed him off his car, his mouth gaping round the glittering point, and flipped him down face first, dead as he fell, his life breath blown away. And next, he caught Aurelius, closing, lunging in. He flung a rock and it struck between his eyes and the man's whole skull split in his heavy helmet. Down, the Trojan slammed on the ground, head down and courage shuddering death engulfed his corpse. Then, in a blur of kills, Amphiterus, Eremus, Epaltes, Typolemus, son of Damaster, and Echius and Pyrrhus, Iphus and Euippus, and Polymelus, son of Argeus, he crowded corpse on corpse on the earth that rears us all.